My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 143 of Legally Clueless. Thanks for rocking with this podcast. If this is your first time here, remember if you want to chit chat about this podcast on Twitter, just use the hashtag Legally Clueless. You can join our nice, warm, full, cozy, I was going to say fuzzy, my God, <laughs> cozy corner of the internet on our Instagram page. We're at Legally Clueless Podcast. There's a link to that in the show notes. And audio episodes such as this one go up every single Monday. Now, we also have our YouTube channel that's pretty awesome. It's pretty rad. You really need to check it out, (laughs) which is Legally Clueless. Um, There's a link to it in the show notes. And we are currently on season two of our video series. Three episodes are out, one of which has a story by Bright. Listen to this. I used to teach English to kids. Um, but illegally, because if you're from Africa, you cannot teach unless you have a South African passport. Yeah, that's how it is in Korea. And I was like, but how am I going to make more money? So when you go to teach, you have to make sure you hide that cops don't see you. Because when they get you, if they catch you, it's $10,000 fine. And they get deported as well for a few years. So it was always a risky thing teaching kids English. But it was fun. I did babysitting to kids. We don't understand each other, but hey... If I say jump, you can understand jump, we are fine. <laughs> and my little Korean words that I learned. But the weirdest job I ever did, two of them, was working in the LG factory. I was making TV stands for LG and microwave knobs. It was a whole night. I did it for one night and I said, nah, nah fam, I quit. This is too much. By the fourth hour, you thought you, you think you'd have worked, you worked for the whole night. <laughs> then I went to work in a rubber factory. And by rubber, I mean, I was making dildos. <laughs> Trust me, it's a story worth listening to. (laughs) I know quite a few people on our Instagram were asking like, wait, feeling or feeling? (laughs) Just go and watch the episodes, please. Okay? (laughs) It's on our YouTube channel. And there's also a new episode that features Polycup from Saudi Soul. And I really love that episode because it's all about intentional fatherhood. It's It's deep. It's really deep. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. So head over to our YouTube channel. There's a link to it in our show notes. If you're listening on a platform that does not give you show notes, just search Legally Clueless and our bright yellow YouTube page should pop up. (laughs) However, moving along swiftly to this episode, in a bit we'll hear a beautiful, sweet and short story from Joseph. Listen to this. I lost my job and then uh, I kind of took 15 months to try to apply for another job, but it didn't work for me. So there are few amounts that I had in my account. I thought of starting a business. That's the way I came up with an idea of uh, opening a barber shop. Applying for a job and not getting a job, actually, it was kind of heartbreaking. By losing a job, it means people tend to ignore you. Actually, I didn't know how to shave. It took a lot of courage. Actually, the business from 2015 did so well. I even stopped applying for more jobs. So because I saw this now, this is actually working for me. And then COVID-19 came. Some of, of the customers used to ask me, show me how you are going to shave me. And at the same time, keep a social distance of one, one meter. <laughs> it was not possible. The first month after the COVID-19 was mentioned, the customers disappeared. 
That's the story by Joseph that's coming up a little later in this episode. And if you are a small business owner, it's definitely a story that you want to listen to. And I have a resource to share with you that might help you. I know the pandemic has wrecked havoc on quite a few businesses, especially small businesses that didn't have cushions to kind of help through this madness. So there's a resource I'm going to share a little later in this episode that might be of use to you. Before we get to that, I want to share the song of the week first, actually. And this week, I can't I can't decide between two songs, so you get two songs of the week. I don't think I shared a song of the week last week, so hey, <laughs> it balances out. And so the first one is Palea. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. The artist's name is Dobe Nahore. The spelling of her name is, okay, so it's D-O-B-E-T. And then the second name is G-N-A. H-O-R-E. But I'll put a link to the song in the show notes. It is beautiful. It's ah, it's what you 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 blast on like a Saturday afternoon as you sip on something refreshing, just hanging out by yourself. I listen to the song as I write poetry or as I read poetry, and I really like it. And I thought, why not share it with you? In fact, I was rather shocked that I hadn't shared it with you yet. The second song is by India Ree. <laughs> Go figure. I listen to her like all the time. And the name of the song is Breathe. Now, this particular song was done, I think, around the time of the Black Lives Matter movement. And so that's really the basis of the song. But weirdly enough, I found myself connecting, especially with the chorus, which is just continue to breathe. Man, I've had (laughs) a very hectic couple of days. First, this episode has a sponsor, so I'm going to try not to cry because, because I don't want them listening and just wondering, hey, <laughs> who is this person that we partnered with? But I'm really going through it and I'm trying to figure out if maybe I'm just fatigued. Maybe it's a mishmash of emotions, but I think I'm really going through it, <laughs> which is so strange because I'm at a time in my life where things are really going well career-wise and work-wise. I seem to be finding... No, I can't lie. I was going to say I seem to be finding a rhythm, but I feel like I'm I'm tired. Maybe it's end-of-year burnout, but I think one of the things that's happening is when I have really great things happening in my life, I just don't want to celebrate them with anyone but my late mom. This is not a foreign feeling. I felt it before. I felt it several times through my grief navigation (laughs) or journey with grief. It was never as overwhelming as it is right now. It's pretty overwhelming, which is very weird to me. I think I'd approached grief to some extent, maybe subconsciously, as I do like a project, you know, (laughs) and you go in and you're like, okay, we're going to set up this project in year two. This is what's going to happen. Actually, the way I approach this podcast, I'm like, in year two, this is going to happen. Year three, this is going to happen. By the fifth year, I hope we've developed ABCD products. I kind of subconsciously, because consciously I thought I wasn't doing it, but maybe it was happening subconsciously. That's how I approach my grief. And so here I am nine years after my mom passed on and I'm feeling like I'm as broken as day one. It's like, it's something wrong with me. Am I broken? (laughs) It's 
I'm short-circuited somewhere. Sorry if I'm laughing. I just, I'm trying not to cry. So, so just bear with the awkward laughs in between heavy shit, you know. But it feels so raw right now. It feels so raw. And I think what's scaring me is that I'm, I'm really withdrawing. Like I'm fighting not to withdraw from like the people in my support circle but I can feel myself withdrawing I can feel myself irrationally saying well you know what if she's not here anymore I don't want to talk to anyone but her so I'll just shut up (laughs) which is very irrational but it's like my body's doing its own thing like I'm yelling in the back like hey 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 what what you're doing is irrational stop that but my body has already enforced it and that's this is very different for me and it's overwhelming. I cry very easily and that's everything but I think I have cried myself hoarse in the last couple of days today included like I cried on the drive to so today we had to shoot episodes for the video series I cried on my way there (laughs) I cried on my way back home in fact on the way back home I was very scared. It felt like it was at a point becoming like a full-blown anxiety attack. I was struggling to breathe, hence why I guess I'm leaning on this India Re song. I don't know. And I got home and I got to the door, opened the door. No, actually, Fal does this thing. Like if he hears me, bless him, he hears me park, he'll like unlock the door because I always never know where my keys are. <laughs> They're always like lost in my handbag. So he'll unlock the door. Yeah, so I opened the door and he was away for the weekend. So he's like chirpy. He's like, hey, how are you? I've missed you. And he sees my eyes and he's just like, what is going on? And I just like collapse into like more tears. And then I'm like, oh my God, I have to get some work done. And I go to the bathroom, collapse into more tears. But luckily, I have enough strength to call my aunt. And even just calling her, I felt like angry. Because I was just like, I should have been able to call my mom. And I've said this before on this podcast. It's like, and even just sharing this with you, honestly, I still feel it. I feel like every time I have these breakdowns around grief, I don't want to talk about it. One, because I'm like, yeah, I wish the only person I want to talk to is my mom, you know. And the second reason is like, I don't like sounding like a broken record. But anyway, in this moment, I call my aunt who also lost her mom and we're pretty close. And I was just in tears. Like I couldn't even say hello. She was just like, what's happening? What's happening? I think she was like panicking. And she, she's the one who said she complete, completely understood what I was saying about achieving these things. But it just means nothing because the person you want to share those moments with is not here. I also have been feeling the entire year, like life has moved so far from where uh, my mom left me at nine years ago. When she left, I hadn't even joined Kiss FM. And now looking back, I'm just like, oh my God, like we have done a lot of living <laughs> since then. And it's it's scary. It's irrational that I feel guilty for having lived so much. This is so weird. And obviously, thank God for being self-aware. I know when I'm going down a slippery slope and 
obviously alerted my therapist. So one thing we've been doing is keeping logs of my sleep. What's also weird is that my sleep is being affected in an opposite manner. Normally, I have no problem sleeping. It's the best escape. I can sleep anywhere, anytime. Over the past couple of weeks, but is when I was actively, you know, monitoring. But I think even, oh wait, we're in December. I was going to say even like the beginning of November. <laughs> wow, Adele. Yeah, I just find that I'll wake up at like 5 a.m. My eyes are just like ching open, which is strange for me. And normally even if that happens, I can easily fall back asleep. But of late, it's not been easy. So I'll either get up and start writing or just stare into oblivion because I don't want to turn on my phone. The light will like disturb file or whatever. Yeah, so that's something we've noted. So I'm currently just monitoring it with my therapist, alerting the people that matter. But I didn't want to come on here and just pretend that all's well. It's not. It's harder than it's ever been. And any achievement is a trigger. So like tomorrow, remember I co-authored a book, I'm going to see the copy for the first time. Literally, that's where my tears on the drive back from shooting today came from. Because I was just like, how am I launching a book and my mother is not there? Like, how sad is that? Wow. I'm sorry. I've dumped a lot of heavy stuff on you. <laughs> anyway, that's where I'm at. I'm going to get through it somehow. But right now I'm just sitting in, in those feelings and allowing myself to feel. Actually, let me not lie at you. I'm allowing myself to feel. The feelings are demanding to be felt anywhere, anytime. <laughs> they just pop up and yeah, that's where I'm at. Anyway, <laughs> Can we please move on? I think we can. Because I think this is something really cool, actually, that I think could be a resource for you if you're a micro retailer. Because it's a very interesting model to me, especially because I run a nonprofit styled organization, which is my initiative. But I'd never thought that you could have a nonprofit organization that develops business solutions when it comes to fighting poverty. Most of what I've encountered in my work is people having a more social based programs when it comes to poverty or like awareness prog programs. I haven't actually, this is the first time I found an organization that actually is fighting poverty as a nonprofit, but what they're doing is centering business solutions at the core of the work that they do. And this organization's name is TechnoServe, and their mission is to fight poverty by helping people build regenerative farms. So they work with a lot of farmers. Those of us who are trying to get into that field might be <laughs> reaching out to them soon. Remember I told you I'm getting into, actually, no, I'm getting into beekeeping. Uh, it's tough. <laughs> I'm still at a very early stage, but TechnoServe, back to them, their mission is to fight poverty. And so they help people build regenerative farms. They help people with their businesses and making sure they can scale their businesses and connect to markets that will increase their incomes. And TechnoServe does not only work in Kenya, which I think is awesome. So obviously there's Kenya, but there's also Nigeria, there's Cote d'Ivoire, there's Tanzania. 
and they've worked with over 40,000 micro entrepreneurs in these countries. So if you really break down the support that they give these small businesses is not only access to loans, but there's also world-class training because a lot of people, and actually I found this out in my initiative as well when I was working on workshops with young people, a lot of people start businesses out of need but don't necessarily have the skill to keep that business going. So it fails, not because it's a bad idea or a bad business, but you just didn't have the skills to run it sustainably. So TechnoServe will give you access to the training that you need to ensure that your business is successful. They even have, during the pandemic, been giving a lot of small business owners loans because the pandemic did disrupt cash flow for many businesses, right? And obviously the first question that I had was like, okay, so why this business approach, right? And what was interesting to learn from TechnoService, they understood that businesses are super important when it comes to building economies, creating jobs, providing essential goods and services. And these are all things that are super important, especially for low economic areas. So if you want to fight poverty, there's no way you can do that without having that conversation around how do we develop economies, how do we create jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So that's basically why they're doing this work. I just want to also shout out the people that are helping them do this work. People like the City Foundation, the Alea Foundation for Ethics and Globalization, the Mastercard Center for Inclusive Growth, Mastercard Foundation, and the Moody's Foundation as well. So if you are a small and growing business and you're interested in accessing either financing or accessing training, I think you need to check out TechnoServe. I'll put a link to their website in the show notes, but if you just go to www.technoserve.org and techno is T-E-C-H-N-O-S-E-R-V-E.org and just read about the work that they do and you'd be surprised how that can benefit your business. And so to learn more about TechnoServe, I met a barber (laughs) by the name of Joseph, which was quite timely because I'm about to go bald, but that's a story for another day. And Joseph is a barber here in Nairobi, actually in Mwiki specifically. Yeah, his story takes us through how booming business was. And then the panini happened. Legally Clueless, brought to you by TechnoServe. Developing business solutions to alleviate poverty by linking micro-entrepreneurs to information, capital, and markets in Africa. My name is Joseph Omai. I'm from Kenya, Nairobi. I have a barbershop in Nairobi. A place known as Mwiki. I started my barbershop at 2015. 15. Uh, I had actually lost my job then. I lost my job and then uh, I kind of took 15 months to try to apply for another job, but it didn't work for me. So there are few amounts that I had in my account. I thought of starting a business. That's the way I come. I came up with an idea of uh, opening a barber shop. Uh, I have an IT background. I did my IT at Jomo Kenyatta University, a diploma in IT. The company I was working on it was owned by two brothers. They end up arguing and the company was closed. Applying for another job, uh, we, I could look for online applications, no feedback. Uh, I could be called for interview in a few companies, uh, but none responded uh, Yeah, for an intake. I have a family. 
a wife and three kids now without a job uh, is actually hectic you need to earn something to make a living eh? now applying for job and not getting a job actually it was kind of uh, it was kind of uh, heartbreaking uh, by losing job it means actually people tend to ignore you because uh, actually when you call someone probably this guy thinks that this guy lost his job it could be borrow me some cash eh? so actually to ask advice from someone it was actually hard uh, 15 months trying to apply for another job uh, that meant um, no, nothing is coming in eh? what i was doing is withdrawing i'm going to atm withdrawing 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 now it come to my it came to my mind that uh, this money in account might uh, deplete eh? and now i thought it should not come to that situation i need to start something to make a living mm-hmm. and that's when i started my small enterprise eh? mm-hmm. the baba shop actually i didn't know how to shave eh? <laughs> <laughs> so it took uh, a lot of courage eh? mm-hmm. to start to learn at the same time to expect more customers to come i learned through my customer mm-hmm. how to style up eh? mm-hmm. so they could uh, correct me when where i was wrong they could direct me at the moment uh, i shaved a, a customer he, he wanted me to shave a bob cutter and uh, i did it wrong yeah, he was frustrated and he told me i could tell me he, i could tell him that uh, i'm new i'm learning uh, when i began uh, actually most of them were frustrated but uh, i'm a quick learner so in two to three weeks i had picked up and uh, they started appreciating me okay when opening a barber shop uh, you need to choose a, a location and then you should have some cash to pay for deposit and then rent then you need to actually look for an artist to polish up if there is uh, something need to be polished or the branding of your business yes then uh, you should buy shaving machines customer seat eh? and some other accessories a few yeah and some detergents and uh, some uh, disinfectant like spirit and uh, detol uh, basically where i'm located the rent is 6000 a month so you have to pay 6000 for deposit and then 6000 for rent then you have to pay a deposit for electricity like two 2000 so that is 6 plus uh, that is 14000 eh? customer seat i bought them for 6000 i bought two actually that is 12000 another 12000 mm. shaving machine one is 5k eh? mm. i bought like three because they are actually different for different purposes there's the one for styling up and there's the one for balding actually the business from 2015 did so well eh? i even stopped applying for more jobs eh? so because i saw this now this is actually working for me i should do this and then covid-19 came uh, i knew about covid before actually the president of kenya make, make announcement i have a television i do watch cnn and i i knew this is coming and this will be bad okay when the first case was mentioned in kenya there was panic and there was fear people feared they might be infected the way they were advised by WHO and the government they they told people to avoid uh, public places 
and barbershop is one of the public places. Some of, of the customers used to ask me, just show me how you are going to shave me and at the same time keep a social distance of one, one meter away. <laughs> it was not possible. Then uh, some uh, government officials like governors, they advise people not to, to attend barbers, barbershops. Actually, some of the counties eh, like Moranga, Kajiado, the, the governor closed the barbershops and salons. The first month after the COVID-19 was mentioned, the customers disappeared. Some of them uh, bought machines, shaving machine. They could shave themselves at their houses and the sequence sh- uh, changed. Actually, more of the men are being shaved once per week. Eh? Now, because of the financial crisis, they, they had to change the sequence. If you are being shaved in a week, some took two weeks to be shaved and other one month. So, you know, the cash flow went down. I, I had to panic, actually. I had to panic because now I was like, now uh, people, the, custom, the number of customers is going down, the income is going down, and there is no job opportunity. I was like, I was like am I going to make through this? And then the family is there. You have to spend. Whether you're making money or not, the basic need you have to give them. There was now lockdown. Before it was lockdown, actually, most of the people have, had taken their families back to their rural areas where they came from. They had uh, actually shifted their families. So the, the number of people in town was actually low, even after the lockdown was actually initiated. I won't say that uh, customers uh, stopped coming completely. It's actually the number went down. Yeah, if uh, Before that, I could receive even 50 customers a day. But number went down up to 10. So I could actually go and get something at least for, for food. Eh? And so uh, actually there was no so much of licensing on the barber shop. You know the police are the one they used to to see that the that the people are adhering to the COVID-19 restrictions. Eh? They used to pass by to check whether you are using you are using the right uh, disinfectant or whether people are sanitizing or people are washing their hands. My job was actually to make, sh- uh, to make sure that uh, those, those, those things are actually there. Uh, when police came on spot check, actually there was a time that uh, I had not put on my mask, but I was alone. There was no customers. Yeah. And they parked their vehicle outside there. And they could ask me to come out because I not, have not put on my mask. I should board their vehicle to the police station, of which I, I refused because actually I was just alone. Eh? My wife was expectant uh, during that period of COVID-19. I remember I was not ready. When, you know, when the first case was mentioned, eh? people, I don't know where they were, they were getting money from. They did a lot of shopping. And then you are there, you are not, you're like, you don't have cash to buy this stuff. And there was a fear that the lockdown would be completely not coming out of the house. So I had a lot of fear because actually now I have no money to buy that food stuff that could last you even more than a week. My wife used to push me eh? and she could tell me that people are doing shopping and I'm not seeing you buying anything eh? uh, that would last as like serious that would last us yeah, for at least for a month but uh, I knew personally I knew I don't have that cash but 
I could not tell her that I don't have that money, but I could just encourage her, tell her these things. We just pass by something that will come and go. There's no need of buying this stuff. I could not let her know that uh, we are not ready. Uh, we used to communicate with my neighbors, uh, and uh, we could share how are we going to survive this now that uh, the income has gone down. How are we going to survive this? Uh? And we could actually think of where we can get loan. But then no one was willing to lend you. Like circles, no one was willing to lend anyone money. And that is how I, come, I came to learn about TechnoServe. My neighbor once benefited from TechnoServe. She was, led, uh, she was called by TechnoServe and uh, they offered her the money. Whether she, she offered her and asked her whether she can apply for a loan. And... Uh, they actually asked her whether she can get more people, and uh, she approached me. I needed something to boost my business, so I actually uh, applied for it. Of course, that was the first thing to ask whether they are offering any interest, but when I, I learned that there's no interest, mm -hmm. that's when I was interested mm -hmm. with TechnoSav. After my neighbor mentioned to me about the TechnoSav later, after I think a week, mm -hmm. some agent came from TechnoServe, they were just walking around looking for people in, with businesses who might need uh, mm. assistance in, in trying to to cope up with the COVID-19. Uh, so when the, the agent of the TechnoServe came, I was already, had already registered and, uh, and I had already applied mm -hmm. for a loan. Uh. There was a lot of uh, online training. They were training on uh, business, financial management and record keeping and offering some learning materials online. Yeah? We used to go through them, then they ask you questions, then you respond to them. Personally, and, and people who applied for it, they benefit actually from, from learning because uh, most of the people that have uh, a micro enterprises like mine, most of them, uh, they, af they didn't, after the old levels, they didn't proceed with their learning. Eh? College, they didn't go to the college level, they actually all levels. Eh? So offering them learning actually opened up their mind. We were taught separating business money with the, with the personal money. Eh? I personally benefited from that learning. Before then, if I get 1K, I took that money as, this is my money, I've earned it. I used not to take it back to business. I used not to keep money for business. And uh, through that, my business actually, I needed some upgrading, yeah? but there was no money for that. I could use entire money. But when the TechnoServe came in, I managed uh, to do rebranding yeah? of my business. Through that, uh, I created confidence with my my clients because they saw that after all these uh, financial crisis, I still have money. I still have money to rebrand and making them more comfortable when they come to my place. So they saw that this guy is serious his work and he, he will continue, he's not, he, will not he will not close. When the lockdown was uh, removed, eh, that's when the confidence came in and we are like now, things will get better. People who are locked from their rural, rural homes, eh, they came back to Nairobi. Most of them did. Eh? And when they, come, they came, eh, business was kind of starting up to pick, pick up. Because eh? now I'm getting more customers, the number is going up again. Uh, things in my family now are getting better. Business is actually 
coming back to normal. Uh, that means more income. But uh, there is some other incentives that the government came up with that are actually making, even though you're making money, uh, there's a lot of expenses, uh, like the schools. Uh, after the lockdown was removed and the economy was opened and the school was opened, this, uh, the number of time was shortened. Eh? Short uh, holidays, more times in, in a year. So there's a lot of rush eh? after kids in school. Eh? So a term is actually like two, two months eh? and a few weeks. Then the term is over. And now you have to look for fees. Eh? There's a pressure on that. You have to pay eh, to keep up eh, with the learning of the kids. Eh? But the business is okay. Government should have uh, facilitated eh, loans to the small enterprises like the techno server, the way they did. Eh? They, sh- they could have opened more venue for that. Yeah, and actually remove some the the cost of licensing in running businesses. In my small business, I have to pay city council almost 10,000. Uh, that means a lot of money. Actually, if you go to, to where I come from, eh, most of the salon are closed. You just pass by, you see the name salon, but it's not opened. The place was closed down. Eh? Like people who closed their business. Um, because now they have the skills, uh, I think uh, they should uh, get in fund uh, and try to open up. Because uh, actually, I know they have, they still have their customers. And if they just look for small capital to start up, they will pick up now. The economy is back. And people don't have cash. Uh, the challenge, uh, like me, I, the challenge I, I have experienced me myself is that... Uh, you know, most of the men, they work in town, and now my business is located uh, at residential places. Most of men, uh, they work in town, so they just go there for a sleep, and then they, in the morning, they come back to town. They don't have people to talk to there. The only person they can share is me, because actually uh, I'm the one who, who shapes them. So they don't talk to their neighbors, but they open up with me. Eh? So you find that uh, someone that was actually well up and someone who I could serve, give a service and tip me. Now the guy is actually even borrowing. Yeah, And the only people they can talk to me you, you find that someone is, comes in the morning, hey, I don't have fear, give me 200, I'll refund. Those cases, uh, they are actually more. I get a key in a day, you find half of it. I've led to some people. So me, myself, I feel that there is a lot of challenge. Meet some of them, even they come in the evening and tell me, hey, I don't have something to give my family. Just help me with 200 uh, refund. Some, uh, they tend to refund, some don't. So, But I have to help them because they used to be good to me. Uh, my baba shop is located in Mweki Kasarani, Gishim Tabas. It's located second, uh, on the second street from the main road, the Kasarani Road, Mweki Kasarani Road. Legally Clueless, TechnoServe in partnership with City Foundation, the Alea Foundation for Ethics and Globalization, the Mastercard Center for Inclusive Growth, the Mastercard Foundation and the Moody's Foundation are working together in helping micro-entrepreneurs maximize their economic potential. I hope you enjoyed that story by Joseph and I hope if you're in the area, you're going to look for his barbershop. But even more than that, if you are a small business owner 
and the pandemic really did a number on your business. Just in general, you're trying to navigate the harsh economic environment in our country right now. I think you should definitely check out TechnoServe. You could benefit from the training. Maybe it's not financing you need. Maybe you just need certain skills that can help you scale or run your business in a more sustainable manner. Why not? So just go to www.technoserve.org for more information. I've put that link in the show notes as well. Also, do remember that this podcast plays on Trace Radio here in Kenya. So if you go to traceradio.co.ke, there is a list of all the frequencies Trace is on across the country. And you can catch us there every Monday and Wednesday at 12 noon and 11 p.m. And every Friday at 12 noon. Also, make sure you check out our video series on our YouTube channel. Link in the show notes. There's some awesome stories. Episodes go up over there every Friday. And audio episodes go out over here. every single Monday. Thank you so much, though, for listening to this episode to the very end. I am a bit sorry that I've piled so much heavy stuff on you, but we have created this honest space and yeah, it's a safe space for me as well. (laughs) So I can be honest about what I'm navigating. Until next week, I'm sending you tons of peace and tons of grace and tons of love and don't forget even though i'm not running at 100 christmas is almost coming so i hope your christmas tree is up my decorations and christmas tree are already up and the lights so (laughs) this is a late reminder for you make sure you put those up immediately that's it for this episode of legally clueless you can share this podcast with your friends you can keep it for yourself i'm not judging just make sure you're here next week for the next episode